Welcome back to episode 42 of the Split the Scene podcast. We're going to dub it the Jackie Robinson podcast episode because we're cliche and we didn't have anything better to think about. But regardless, we are 42 episodes deep. We are just about getting into August, which means all of us will probably be switching locations again, uh, heading all back. For, we'll, all go, or we'll all be going east. The varying amount of time spent going east will be different. Josh is actually already I, I, east. I'm settled in now. I just yeah. moved this past weekend. I still got a couple of things I got to get done, but I'm settled, mostly settled in the new place now. It's pretty nice. I'm enjoying it. I have a question, though, because I have a question. Did you, in fact, have to travel east at all to get to this apartment? Do you know? Let's see. Because if you did, then if you From did, my entire thing is... Euclid to Clarendon. Let's see. Is that east? <laughs> yeah, that's what, I was curious if you went east. Oh, Anyways, well, yeah. <laughs> well, he looks that up. Uh, yeah, we're we're in the month of August. I know Dom will be heading back to ASU. In this week, this will be my last episode, at least for the time being, in San Diego. Yeah, and then my last episode if we make sure to record a week after the last one, like we should do, uh, I will be doing my last one from San Diego. So there we go. You guys are literally watching us go through life as we talk about sports and pretend to know what we're talking about. So there you go. Uh, we'll get, we'll jump into baseball, which is now my new favorite sport in the world. Um, for, oh, no, for no reason, oh, buddy. <laughs> for no reason in particular, uh, we don't have to start there. Though. Do we, have, should we start there? I don't I did I don't not know. travel East. I'm sorry. Gosh, I'm so disappointed. All right. Uh, where, where do we want to start with baseball? I mean, <laughs> uh, we got to start I mean, out East. Uh, well, let's just talk about the Eastern division. We really have to. <laughs> They've been I mean, chick. It's well, we can start the AL East if that makes you happy. It doesn't really because the Yankees are red hot. They did lose this on Sunday afternoon. Week. This is not Josh. Gold. No, it was not. They're 11 games over 500 and just two and a half games back of the Red Sox for the top wildcard spot. And they're, I believe, only just a game and a half out behind the A's. I, I do want to say one thing before we finish this. The Blue Jays are a half a game behind them, and I still truly believe the Blue Jays will pass them. I would be 0% surprised, actually, if those are the two wildcard teams. The A's are looking really good, too, though. So I think Yankees, Blue Jays, two wildcard teams? They could, yeah. yeah. I, this, this Red Sox team is falling apart. Yes. They're a disaster. I'm not surprised by that at all. And for some reason, I'm happy about that for unidentified reasons that Josh Golden may know. I definitely know. <laughs> kind of agree with you. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyways. Yeah. I mean, you're right, Dom. This, this, the, the Eastern divisions are going to be the most watched divisions for the rest of the season. I'd say is that, that's not a hot take. I mean, I guess you could say the West for the NL too, but the NL West is definitely more. Yeah, I guess because it's more high-powered teams doing the same thing the Easter. Doing. I, I think, think the Rays run away with the AL East. I could see them winning this by a good six to seven games. I, I'm really curious because I know I don't think the Rays and Yankees play much more because they played a lot earlier in the season. And the Yankees won a lot of those games. Like they won. I don't know. Dom Dom could look it up right now. He's looking stuff I'm up. Taking but, a quick look at the schedule now. Yeah, go ahead. But I'm pretty I'm pretty certain the Yankees have already taken like eight games off the Rays. So like you know for tiebreakers' sake, when that, if that comes down to that. Yeah, their only series remaining is. Three games at Yankee Stadium to close out the regular season. The Rays, yeah, and, it, mm-hmm. and it's important to remember tiebreakers in baseball. Just deem who is the home team for that tiebreaker, whether it's for a wild card spot, for seeding for that. They uh, they will do that 
at the home team. Game now, if those, if those two teams were, say, uh, the two teams in the wildcard spot, like they would just be tied for the top spot. They would just play at the site of whoever had the tiebreaker. That's what that would come down to. Oh, that's weird. Wait, you, you lost me there for a second. So if two teams <laughs> are tied for the two wildcard spots, they wouldn't play a game 163. Game 163 is just the wildcard game and whoever has the tiebreaker plays it at home. Correct. Okay, that would make sense. Okay, so there you go. That has never happened, by the way. Uh, so Yeah, I mean, that's... It, that it would, would be, be really, really stupid rare. to make them play a game 163 just to decide where right. the wild card game Because, like, if it's New York and the Rays, per se, or, I mean, let's just say that, or even Boston and the Rays, you, like, play that game in a neutral site. No, that'd be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they ship out to Buffalo. They, they play a game in that stadium. Yeah, yeah. There, there's going to be no fans here, so it's totally a neutral game. The winner of this gets to host the game tomorrow. If that happened, <laughs> if that actually happened have, and they went to Buffalo, Josh, we'd, we, we would have to drive out. Just oh, 100%. We would. That'd be awesome. Yeah. But it would Major League happen. Baseball has the hotels ready no matter the site, and they have the planes with enough gas to get to either location. That's so it's just, funny. no, I'm just kidding. That'd be, that'd be wild though. Uh, yeah. That'd be the most pointless game ever. Yeah. Um, to be honest, we talk about this AL East. I haven't been paying a lot of attention to the Red Sox, except for these things I've seen on Twitter, uh, scrolling through too many things on Twitter. Um, so could Dom, could you kind of like break down what's going on with the Red Sox? Like how, what, what is contributing to this slide? Cause I know they went so, two and eight on a 10 game road trip. Yeah. And yeah. they've lost 10 of their last 13. And I believe like eight of those have been to the blue Jays. Like it's just been, it's just been brutal for the Red Sox as of late. Their starting pitching staff we've seen over the last like month is deteriorating. And we all knew this was going to happen. Like we were looking at Nick Pavetta, Garrett Richards, and these guys were, uh, were performing at levels that they haven't performed at in a very long time or just ever. Or ever. Nick yeah, Pavetta, right. Ever. Or ever. And it finally hit. Some of the guys in the bullpen had been having career years and, you know, they're, they're good arms. So like it wasn't like too far stretched, but a lot of those guys are collapsing. And then you look at the lineup and it's been a disaster for Dugo. He's been pretty cold as of like the last two months of the season. Uh, JD Martinez definitely cooled off. Uh, Rafael Devers cooled off. Uh, Xander Bogarts just hit singles and that's it. And nobody realizes it. Um, but they're, they just, they didn't address any needs at the trade deadline. All they got was Kyle Schwarber, who was injured. And then as of today, he has a setback. And we all knew that Chris Sale coming back was going to be something that they would, they would like. But now all of a sudden, Chris Sale coming back is something that they need. And Josh and I, we've discussed this, and it's been about other pitchers. You can't rely on guys coming off Tommy John midseason to come back and perform and be key contributors. And I don't, ex- I don't expect Chris Sale to be great. He can be good, but he's not going to be able to work too deep into games. Uh, he's going to be fatigued a bit, and that's to be expected. And the Red Sox have put themselves in a bad spot. I don't feel bad for them. I don't feel bad for their fans because of their past. Um, but uh, it, it's funny so because they were Alex Cora. right. The the they were their fans got so annoying. They're like, oh, no one expected us to be here. Like, what are the excuses now? Here are the excuses. Oh, like, their fans we, got annoying. Yes, like, they did. Yeah, we we knew this was coming at some point. We didn't expect it to be this sudden, and. 
listen, all, all baseball teams go through stretches like this in terms of the season. I mean, except for apparently the San Francisco Giants, but uh, it's uh, about how time. Yeah, I, I agree. They, they're coming out. They're coming out to the East Coast. Big, big week for them. They, they got a tough couple series coming up against the New York Mets. I don't know if you want to play that team. Well, they also play the Phillies. So uh, we play. We play this. Yeah, we can talk, no, we'll talk about that later. Uh, no, wait, no, they don't. No, oh, they don't. No, uh, we, we play the Dodgers. That's the NL West team we're thinking that comes to Philly. All right. Uh, I knew that. I knew they came out there. But anyways, Red Sox, it, it's about how you respond from this bad stretch because in baseball play 162 games you're gonna you're gonna go on a stretch where you lose a lot of games it's about how you respond and the red sox they need to respond dom i'm gonna ask you a yes no question and i want a yes no answer the boston red sox make the playoffs this year no all right uh so you mentioned you mentioned that they played a lot of games as a blue jays josh have you been paying any attention? I know you're a big Blue Jays guy. What what do you think was going right for the Blue Jays during those games versus, you know, obviously what we now know is going wrong for the Red Sox? What, did you see anything out of those those few? Like, because they played like six or seven games against them. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't paying too close of attention to the series. I was focused on the dumpster fire that is the New York Mets. But... <laughs> I mean, from the looks of it, they seem to keep Boston's offense off the board. The pitching's been better. Other than today, they gave up eight rounds, still managed to win the game. But pitching's gotten a little bit better for them, which has always been their Achilles heel all year. You know, they have arguably the best lineup in baseball, and they've been putting up rounds to prove it. But I've been saying for a while that I think this team is going to make a charge at some point. Now that they have the pitching, I really believe they're going to be able to do it. So does anyone, do either of you know how Barrios looked in his first, has he made, has he made more than one? Start? He's looked, I mean, he's looked good. He's looked good. Okay. Yeah, that, that's all you he, pit, he pitched time. yesterday okay. in uh in game one of their doubleheader, and they did not allow any runs. Okay. Dang. So, all right, there you go. Team shutout. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. So the, the ale, and then I guess we, we, we need to talk about the Yankees. If we're going to, we kind of lightly brushed over them, but the Yankees, they're red hot. The short, the short porch in there. In, yeah, they're exactly in twelve right innings and two starts. He's only given up one earned run. Barrios. Yeah, there that's really good stuff. That's exactly what they wanted. Two I mean, games, but yeah. So, Josh, are you ready to talk about your second favorite team ever? How how, how are the New York uh, Yankees? He couldn't even say that with a straight face. <laughs> um, I mean, the Yankees are playing better. I do want to say one thing to any Yankee fan out there who was praising Joey Gallo's home run the other night. Shut up and shove that so far up you that you can never see that thing again. That was a 331 foot home run. That is a fly ball that is an out in 28 out of 30 major league ballparks. But since the Yankees are the Yankees, they have a short porch out in right field. They can spend all the money that they want on left-handed hitters like they did in 2009, which is why the porch is where it is. And these left-handed hitters who have power just hit simple, ugly flyouts that somehow clear it because it's so short should not be allowed to be that short. But that's Major League Baseball, and hey, that's how the Yankees operate. And they're able to get a pretty BS home run, if you ask me, off of that. But you know what? That's just baseball. Outside of that little rant, I mean, they've looked good. They won three out of four against Seattle, who's a tough team. So that's good for them. They took two out of three against the Orioles. I mean, they're playing well. The offense is starting to click for them. The pitching has been much better too, but I don't know how much I trust the pitching to hold up. 
They played yeah. Baltimore. They played Miami. They played Seattle. Those are not lineups that wow you. And yeah, their pitching held up against them, but that was against them. Kansas City's obviously not going to be too much of a challenge for them coming up the next couple of days either. But this weekend they got three against the White Sox. I'm curious to see how that goes. I will say now that I expect them to get swept. You expect the Yankees swept by the by the White Sox this weekend. I think it all comes crashing down. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. So that's the AL East. Uh, it's been it's been a one heck of a division so far since the All Star break. It is now a lot different looking than the way we were looking at it. I'd say what a month ago, month and a half maybe. Tampa runs away with this thing. Tampa runs away. I have no clue what's going to happen, but I am of the fruition that Boston is not going to be a playoff team. Um, I don't know though. I don't know because I'm not ever going <laughs> to, as much as it pisses Josh Golden off, I don't know if I can Rizzo and Gallo with that short porch is going to be stupid. It's, it's unfair. It, it, that's really the best way to say it. It's just unfair. They should not be allowed to have the shortest porch in baseball and right field and just stack left-handed hitters like they've always done. They haven't always done it because like from 2017 to 2020, they were winning and they had a primarily right-handed lineup. So yeah, and that's why I did not with DD Gregorius. That was about it. Yeah. Bring up DD Gregorius. But when they first built the park back in 09, that lineup was all oh yeah. Like the reason Mark DeShera's career lasted as long as it did was because of that wall. <laughs> uh I I'm not gonna tell you you're wrong. But I have I have nothing to prove that I have nothing to prove you wrong. But uh, yeah, no Yankee Stadium. The dimensions are a joke. That ball actually uh, it would have gone out in fifteen ballparks, which is which is shocking because it, it was two. It was two. Where no, I, I think I, think I saw it was, said two. I saw Yankee one three and Peco, actually, but two. The one that Trent Grisham hit out would have gone out in two ballparks. Is the one that I think you're referring to. It literally no, hit like percent sure it was the Gallo home run that was three thirty one feet that went off on the tweet. I think Stadium Unicorn. I think is the uh, Stadium Unicorn. It, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> uh, that's funny. On. That's just a funny. That's a funny URL. I mean, that's all I'm saying. Well, because it talks about the home runs and like the the ballparks that would be home runs at. I don't. I don't follow a ton of these accounts because like. I try not to spend my entire life on Twitter because I like to be healthy. Uh, would it oh, dong much, on Twitter? There's much less. Uh, oh, wow. It really goes through all of these. I'm going to find this because I think Josh is wrong here. No, I'm 100% sure I found the account that tweeted it. I just need to find it. Um, give me half a second here. Gallo, would it dong? Um, anyway, like, I, I really think that this is Tampa's to run away with. with uh, uh, no, I just, I just found a tweet, uh, by would it dong, uh, it went 340, <laughs> would it dong? So like, w- would it be a dong? Michael Hunt? No. Uh, <laughs> but, God, man. <laughs> uh, 347 feet, it would have been a home run in 21 out of 30 ballparks. Anyways. Joke of a home run. Like it went a 48 degree launch angle. So yeah, it, it was a joke of a home run. We don't need a stat to prove that. Yes. 
All right. Well, that's the AL East. Um, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let someone else open up the NL East because I feel yeah, NL East. The Mets suck. There is just no life in this team. Fire Luis Rojas. Fire Hugh Quattlebaum. Yes, there's someone named Hugh Quattlebaum for some reason. I don't know why we fired Chili Davis. Javi Baez is god awful. Michael Conforto needs to be out of this lineup. Make up an injury for him. I would roast Taiwan Walker a lot more than I will if we did this podcast yesterday because he did pitch well today despite losing. It was, I believe, six innings, two runs. I'll take that from him right now. That's fine. But, I mean, everyone in on this team who is pitching well in the first half is just falling apart. You look at guys like Taiwan Walker. You look at Tyler McGill, who just hasn't been the same. He's still battling, though, and I think he'll find his way out of it. But this lineup just looks absolutely lifeless right now. I don't think I've seen a team hit worse with runners in scoring position in my entire life watching baseball. They left 15 runners on base a couple of days ago, and they're hitting like 200 with runners in scoring position. The good thing about today's game was that they didn't leave any runners in scoring position. They found a way to not do that. Their logic to do it was just to not put runners in scoring position. I guess that's one way to do it. But this team is absolutely lifeless right now, and I think the only way to wake it up is by firing Luis Rojas and making Dave Joust the manager. I think he'd be better at it. I think the team responds to Joust better than Rojas, and I guess that Rojas doesn't know what he's doing. Joust has been around long enough to deserve this opportunity, and I think it's time for Rojas to get the hell out of there. You guys did have one runner in scoring position. It was the leadoff run. We had one leadoff by Brandon Nimmo, who I will say is still fantastic. Fantastic. I don't know how anyone hates Brandon by Zach Wheeler. I know you hate Brandon Nimmo, Leo, but I don't understand. I know. I, I don't, I don't know the man. I just hate that he runs to first when he gets, walked. I don't know how you can hate that. He runs. To first I, lo- when he gets I love that. I love that. I hate That's it. one of the most likable things about the guy. Well, it doesn't matter because he didn't do it a single time today. So I don't care. I don't even know if walked he did. twice yesterday. Oh, okay. Well, he, and he got, and he got two hits. He got the only two Mets hits of the game. Yes, he did. He's fantastic. What else? What else? What else happened that game, though? Is would anyone else like to talk about what else happened that game? The, the uh, Michael Michael Conforto hit. walked, and uh, the and other really, twi- for him. the other twenty seven batters or the other twenty seven at bats for the Mets resulted in outs. Well, yeah, well, that no. sounds about right. Um, well, no, I mean, no, because isn't twenty seven? Yeah. If you put twenty seven up, twenty seven downs a perfect game, correct? Yeah, yeah, but the other and twenty-seven two hits, Conforto walked. And then yeah, I was gonna say unless there was a double play, which I don't believe there was. But no. Oh, okay. Oh, you're saying okay. Never mind. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Conforto Back. is absolutely lifeless. Guy lost himself nine figures this season, and I Baez is complete trash. The money's gonna go to <laughs> complete trash. It's unbelievable. Oh. <laughs> And then, he's, oh, hurt he's, now. Hurt now. he's hurt now. He's hurt. He's hurt now. Good. I, I don't Good. want him. Good. I, I don't want him playing. He's terrible. It's wow. fine. That's just a wash. I don't think Pete Armstrong was going to be that great anyway. And Trevor Williams is picked well in AAA. He's going to come up soon, and that'll help the Mets out a little bit. But get Rojas out of there. Get Conforto a fake injury to go on the IL for 10 days. Make up something that happened to his toe. He stubbed his toe in the shower this morning, and he's going to be on the IL for the next 10 days. <laughs> um, this is just god-awful for this team. Fire Rojas. Three to five-year plan. What a switch up, honestly. 
I wish I, I, I mean, wish I wish we had recordings from him like a month ago. It would be I night mean, and day do. right now. I mean, I, I mean like I wish I could play them right now. It would take me a while to find them. Or will take me a bit of digging to find them. But whew, man. And oh man. This has been the one of the worst weeks of baseball I've ever seen in my life. That's tough. Wait, just for context clues, what where was Armstrong ranked on the Mets prospect? I don't know, pipeline? but the Cubs now have a top five farm system according to Major League Pipeline. And Armstrong is ranked sixth. So he had to be like what was sixth in their system. Yeah, so, in their system. Got it. So he, he, he was fifth in the Mets system. Okay. He's a good prospect. He was a first round draft pick just last year, right? Yeah. Twenty twenty. I mean, he's got a long way to go. Obviously, that's what that means. But he, he's uh, out he of high made, school too, so he's yeah. got a long, long way to go. He made his professional debut this year, and in six games, he has 24 at bats. Is hitting 417 with a 563 OBP. Very small sample size. Very small. Yeah, uh, it's not something I'm too worried about. I mean. They had to do something. I'm glad they didn't do too much because clearly that would have been a loss if we went out and gave up more for Chris Bryan or another guy like a Barrios or whatever. But at the end of the day, the Mets are still in a position to succeed long-term. And it's been a really bad week. And life goes on. They're going to figure it out this offseason. They'll fire Rojas and get someone real to manage this ball club. And we'll figure something out. I'm not too worried about this club long-term, but the season is certainly in jeopardy. They should rehire Carlos Beltran. Anything is better than Luis Rojas. I would agree. Uh, Really anything. We've gone in a span of a week from Javi's in New York with his bud and is going to resign to Josh Golden wants him to get hurt or is glad that he's hurt. Wow. He, needs, he needs to reset too. I mean, platinum sombrero, unbelievable. Yeah. It, it, he just, he has not looked good. He's even such a five. Second home run he hit was not even like a crazy great home run. It was weird contact off of it, but he also he's just such a bi- way too much. Yeah. He's such a bipolar player. He is. I am. He's not right for that locker room. He isn't. Yeah. I, I know he's Lindor's guy, but I don't think he's right for the locker room. I think changes are going to have to be made. The money this offseason is going to go to Stroman. Maybe it'll go to Syndergaard. We'll see how he does when he hopefully comes back. And then there'll be other splashes made from the outside. I don't think the Mets re-sign Conforto I don't, unless they maybe give him a one-year deal, which I wouldn't hate. I don't think they re-sign Baez. And then I'm not sure what else is going to be left on the open market. I don't know, man. Stroman might want to go uh, a little far, a little, a little further uh, east. Stroman wants to stay. Like Stroman wants to stay in New York. You know, I mean, absolutely. I'm just slow. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so I'll paint a picture. You think he wants to go further east? Well, isn't sorry, west. Sorry, a little bit west, southwest, northwest, southwest. Yes, southwest. Really good south. <laughs> yeah, basically just south. Uh, I'll paint a picture. Uh, so the Phillies uh, for me a week ago, I was uh, a little bit upset, uh, thinking that training for Mr. Gibson and Mr. Ian Kennedy for Spencer Howard would be giving up on him too early, but I was wrong. 
we proceeded to go off after that yeah, after that uh, trade and lose a game to the Pirates. I think we lost, we lost two games to the Pirates. And then by that point, we were sitting four and a half games back from the top of the NL East. That was last, I want to say, Sunday. That was last Saturday, last Friday. Uh, since then, the Philadelphia Phillies, the fighting Phils, have ripped off eight wins in a row. The last time they did that was 2011. And now we are sitting two and a half games or two games up at the top of the NL East. Bryce Harper is slashing 300 with a 400 plus on base percentage and a 500 slugging. His OPS is crazy high and he is honestly in the MVP conversation. If the Phillies stay on top, I'm not going to say he's going to win it, but he's in the conversation. hundred percent. His odds jumped up. I don't know. He was 30 to one at the beginning of the week. And I know he was at least on Friday. He was 18 to one. I imagine it's gone up because he hit a home run both those nights or Friday night. And then he hit one again today. He's officially at, he's officially at 20 home runs already. Um, Well, he finally got there. So he's done that. He's done that a couple of times in his career. He's at 20 home runs. He hit a couple against the nationals when we were at nationals park. He actually hit his 250th career home run in nationals park, which is exactly what I think Washington fans were expecting from him. Yeah, (laughs) he did. He was just wearing the wrong Jersey. He, uh, he blew kisses to the Nats fans in one of those home runs, which was the greatest thing. I loved it. Uh, Bryce hates them. I, I, Bryce, he heard the booze and he silenced them. You sweep the Nationals. You sweep the Nationals with Ian Kennedy closing one of those games when it was closed. Okay. You then? I, I got to interrupt. I, I don't know how Ian Kennedy is a closer. Guy throws 93 miles per hour right over the plate and guys just somehow miss it. Like hitting, hitting baseballs are not easy. He's, uh, he's always had like a low delivery. So he's got some run on his fastball, some rise on he's it. He's just so funky. I mean, he is just one of those like outlier guys who shouldn't be good and somehow is good. He's picked up two crucial saves in a little over a week's time since he got traded here. I mean, what I, I mean, I agree with you, and I've seen people that I've talked to while watching the game live agree with you, but no, like, like don't get me wrong, he's good, shouldn't be good, but is good. Yep. And then we come in, we come into Friday. And the Phillies are half a game out behind the Mets and they play the Mets. The Phillies are hot. The Mets, like Josh told you very well, have been slipping. Certainly not. (laughs) They're not playing well. And what happens? We get a Tyler Gibson good outing. We win that game. We beat them with a Ranger Suarez three inning pitched. And Josh Golden had to watch JD Hammer continue to be scoreless now he's back up. I just love to. Can I just take a moment? J, his name's JD Hammer, and he wears yeah, giant bifocals and has a Dude, fucking and he, Leo. And has a you remember when we watched JD Hammer pitch at Petco Park? I I do remember. I remember how much I. I think he gave up. I think he looked terrible when he played. He gave up races. a he gave up a grand slam that game. Now, like like you have mentioned before on this podcast, the Phillies won the next two games, but yes. I wasn't there for those two games. So I was. I yes, you were. Yes, yeah. I was not. Yeah, but no, he he he's scoreless now. In a, I mean, like I don't think it's more than like sixteen innings pitched. But the guy is is scoreless now, and he held the Mets out. 
And then that game got dicey towards the end. And then like Josh just talked about Ian Kennedy through 95, right at the top of the zone. We, to strike we, we got to talk about that game for a second though, okay. because that game perfectly exemplifies what it was like to be a Mets fan during the Wilpon era. Nothing ever goes right. And then you get to the last second and you know what? There might be hope to hit back to back to back gats. They let you back in it just to break your heart. That is it's just being supporting a personified in one half inning. It was beautiful. I think it's just most crappy baseball teams, you know, getting blown out and then they bring in the crappy reliever and then you hit him hard because he sucks. And then they go to the, uh, the good reliever. Everyone no, gets their hopes up. When, when your offense has not done anything for like five days, they bring someone in and hit back to back to back jacks. And then you get a guy on, did we get him to first or second? I don't remember, but they lecture back in the game like that, just that quickly. Nothing like it. O- only the Mets do things like that. Yeah. I mean, so that game was electric. So since Bank Park has been packed ever since. And then you trot out Mr. Zach Wheeler, the former Matt, the one that Josh told said that wasn't going to have a good year this year. And I, I don't know if it was from Josh, but many people told me that was the worst contract signing of last offseason, not the one prior, the one prior to that. Pitch nine scoreless innings where he gives up two hits, one walk. He only had two 2-0 counts the entire game and shut out. Yeah, two 2-0 counts the entire game. And he shut out, complete game shut out on 106 pitches uh, on Roy Halladay's Jersey retirement day. And now we're sitting two and a half games on top. I'm not going to like sit here and tell you we're going to win the division because there's so much baseball left. And I don't, I'm not know that much about baseball compared to these guys, but I know that I'm not going to jinx them. It's very nice to be on top right now. We have to face the Dodgers next, uh, which won't be easy regardless. Can I be honest with you? I, I don't think you hang on to that top spot. I think Atlanta's well, the one who wins it. I mean, a lot of people are saying that to me. I'm not, I'm not going to, pick because now that we're actually in the race, I'm superstitious. So I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> um, right. And you're, yeah, yeah. I, Leo, you're actually only two games up on top because the Braves are two games back. They're about 500 for the first time this year. Uh, they were actually able to get to 500, which they've done a lot this year. But then once they got to 500, they actually won to get over 500 and they would be only a game back, but Riley Adams, Canyon Crest Academy alum for the Washington nationals, Hit a go-ahead home run with two outs in the ninth against them on Saturday. So uh, the Braves, they're hot. The Phillies, they're hot. The Mets, they're not. The Ravens. What a beautiful thing. Big Ravens guy. What a beautiful thing. Yeah, I mean, it's... Does Riley Adams have an award named after him at the baseball program? No. 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 I don't think he does. Does Does Dominic Stern? He does. Nice. Does Tory Pines have an undefeated football team? Nope. <laughs> nice. what, what are we? What are we? Doing? What are we? What are we doing here? All right. <laughs> I mean, last I checked, Tory Pines doesn't have an undefeated football team. You guys also have a winless football team. Hey. hey details. Never lost. <laughs> details. details. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Anyways, but yeah, I mean, the last thing I say about the Phillies is we always talked about all those pieces. The, the pieces are there and we were just waiting for to see what would happen if they all came together. I think it's safe to say this eight game stretch was them all coming together. It was 
heart of the lineup hitting like they should. It was Reese Hoskins, JT Ramuto, Bryce Harper. The guys you need to hit, hit crazy. You had bench guys step up like Ronald Torres, who I don't know how he keeps doing it, but he still is so productive. And then you had the top of the order, like we thought, perform like they did. And keep in mind, for anyone curious about that Mets series, uh, Reese and Reese Hoskins and Didi Gregorius did not play in that series. So no, DD played on Friday, I think. Okay, well, D, okay, well, DB might play one game, but Reese did not play any of those games, and DD played one. And so this team might have been Saturday. He definitely played. I don't remember which game, but he definitely played. I think he played Friday and then got hit by a pitch. He got hit by a pitch in the elbow, and then he didn't play. Yeah, the that, same elbow. he did not get hit in the face on that pitch. Like, let's make that, that was you're, you're talking about Gene Segura, Segura, aren't you? You're not talking about yes, Didi. I am. Thank you. Yeah. But he he did, did not get hit in the face on that pitch. Well, he got hit in the lip after it hit his hand. So yeah, like that's not real impact. <laughs> okay. Well, he, it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter at this point. He and, felt like he got Kevin Pillard and he just did not get anything close to that. Okay. Well, th- that's just a silly debate. I'm not going to sure. Uh, but my favorite part about this entire thing, the last thing I'll say is Zach Eflin ha- is, is still there. To- Zach Eflin has been a good pitcher this year. Has he really? Yes. Good for him. First time in his life. Yeah, so Zach Eflin still is uh, is still out with some knee tendonitis. So if he comes back, uh, we don't have to trot out a, a bullpen game. And I, I I'm loving Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, Zach Eflin, and and Tyler Gibson. That's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good team. That's a team that can go. That's a that's a pitching staff that can go win the NL East. That's what I'll and, say. And I'll give one last fleeting comment on the Mets while we're still on the NL East. As terrible as this week of baseball was. The Mets are two and a half games out of the division. The season is certainly not over as terrible as this team looks. They just got to figure it out, which hopefully they will do in a three-game stand against Washington here. Got to figure it out soon. Get some reinforcements, hopefully, at the end of the month in Lindor, in DeGrom, and in Syndergaard. Figure it out, and I think they'll be able to hang on. I'm not giving up yet. It's terrible as this looks. Yeah, and I, I said the same thing about the Red Sox. You know, the Mets, they hadn't really gone through a bad stretch. They hadn't gone through a good stretch like the Red Sox had this year because they had never like been too far above 500. But they're going through that bad stretch right now. It's how you respond from it. Do they have an off day on Monday? They do. The Mets, Josh? Yeah, yeah they do. We both do. Yeah, I know. They, need, they need to regroup and come back. It's a 50-game uh, sprint at this point. Like, got to win the 50-game sprint. Yep. The only problem is... Two of the easiest schedules for the rest of the season are Phillies at Braves. Yeah. So. The 13 game stretch the Mets have coming up against the Dodgers, Giants, Dodgers, and Giants is going to be a bit of a challenge. But if they can come out of that with six wins, I'll be happy. I'm a big Mets fan for the next week and a half. Huge hey, Mets fan. Hey, you're also going to kind of be a fan. Yeah, eight, oh, this weekend, 100%. Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. 100%. Starts this weekend, Dom. So you got a couple days before suffering. Yeah, well, he'll he'll be a Phillies fan during the week, and then he'll be a Mets fan for the rest of it. Starts on Friday. Go NL East. There you go. All right. Well, uh, I'm done gloating <laughs> uh, about the Phillies. Uh, where else can we go here? I mean, do we, do we, Dom? Do you want to talk about the NL West because that's always like a good talking point? Yeah, I mean, uh, nothing's I really, nothing's really the White changed. White Sox are still fantastic. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, do we even need to bring the White Sox up? We should just crown them division. Like they yeah, won the now. division already. Yeah, I, no they're point. still my World Series pick. I, they're uh, baseball right now. They're they're playing well, and uh, 
Luis Robert or Robert, I still don't even know what it is. He goes by both too. Uh, he's getting reactivated on Tuesday. So that's a big, big piece for them to play center field because they've been just sticking guys on the outfield and they've been producing, but they're finally getting that guy who they can lock down out there. Um, at this point, <laughs> but the, uh, the A's, they're only two games back at the Astros. I think that needs to be talked about a little bit more. They've, uh, they've been playing very good baseball of late and Starling Marte has been really good. And I think that that I said when that happened, I thought that was one of the best trade deadline acquisitions. And with the recent news that Ramon Laureano got suspended for 80 games for PEDs, that is huge because now they don't have to play Mark Canna in center field. They can play Starling Marte in center field. And let me tell you, I would have loved for this news about Ramon Laureano to come out just two days earlier Mm -hmm. because on Wednesday, he had a leadoff double against Mark Melanson that sparked their two-run comeback in the ninth. Um, they should have to forfeit that game. They, they should. I mean, Major League Baseball needs to do its justice. Do we really want to see the Dodgers host the wildcard game? No, we want to see a yeah. packed Petco Park uh, or Padres winning the division. Anyways, uh, baseball needs a home game at Petco Park in the playoffs is basically what I'm translating here. You had a and, bunch uh, of playoff games last last year at Petco. Okay, but there were no fans. That <laughs> I know, There were no fans. <laughs> I just want to say and it wasn't the Padres playing it. It was none of the, yeah, it wasn't. No, the Padres played in the first three. Oh yeah. That's true. Oh yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, uh, but the ace, they're, they're playing really the good baseball. The home run for the Rays again. I'm forgetting the name. It was Randy or Rosarena. La Rosarena. No. Oh yeah. My, Mike Brasso. <laughs> that was awesome. off Chapman. Yeah. That was, oh, that was oh. electric. Anytime anyone hits a home run off Chapman, it's awesome. Polar Bear Pete did that earlier this year. Yes, he did. He's still such a stud. He is in a cold streak right now, but he is still a stud. I saw he shaved he's today. He's last 20 now. He, he shaved trying to get out of the streak. It didn't right. Work. Yes. No, he's done that before. He's very superstitious. He uh-huh. He's one of the most superstitious baseball players, and that really says something for that three. <laughs> he, he can stay superstitious swinging over all of those high fastballs. Swinging under him. Oh, sorry, Andrew. Yeah, whoops. Whatever. That's his hole. They were talking about that on the broadcast today. They were, yep. That's how you get him is the high pass hole. All right, well, anyways, the A's. Yeah, I mean, I, you got to applaud Oakland for going out and get that piece, and now that the PED... I wonder if they knew he was... What if they knew he was doing PEDs and they flipped him? <laughs> They're like, hey... Not the craziest thing that's ever happened. He's going to get caught. He's going to get caught soon, so let's flip him for Sterling Marte and let him get caught. That'd be funny. Uh, but the Not Astros... the craziest thing. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be. And the Astros have lost six of the last ten. So, like, as much as the A's have been hot, Dom, the, the Astros had to get a little cold, too. Oh, 100%. 100%. So, the, the, I think, you know, there's, we should just like forget about the central divisions for the rest of baseball regular season and just focus on the coasts because the coasts are all fun division races at this point. Well, the, uh, the NL Central actually has one of the hottest teams of baseball right now. Yes, and it infuriates me. Back from the Brewers, but yeah. But they are two and a half games back from the San Diego Padres. <laughs> which is very, very concerning to me. The Cincinnati Reds offense is going haywire as of late. Their pitching staff still sucks, which gives me faith that they will at some point fade a little bit and finish maybe like, you know, only 10 games above 500 or seven games above 500. But 
this offense, it rakes. Uh, Kyle Farmer had a really good month. Jonathan India is looking like he's going to run away with National League Rookie of the Year. Uh, Tyler Rogers really is still good. there. Jonathan India is really good. He's really good. I remember watching him win a, uh, a College World Series at the University of Florida. I knew he was going to be good. I didn't think he'd be this good, but... Uh, he's a stud. He's super good. He's sparked this team. Uh, Joey Votto, he, he bangs. Uh, he still bangs. Somehow. Uh, I love it. What he said when he went on that home run streak that he went on, they said, like, Joey, what's the difference right now? He's like, I'm actually trying to hit home runs. Right. That's all <laughs> no. he said. He's truly one of the most underrated players of our generation. I don't think people realize yeah. how good he's been. Uh, he won an MVP and then seven years later was runner up for MVP. And this year, again, he's having a really good offensive performance. Uh, I remember when we were doing these podcasts four months ago or four and a half months ago, and we were talking about uh, which offenses are going to resurge. We're talking about the Cubs or the Reds. And I think we all lean towards the Cubs, but it's been the Reds offense that's had a resurgent. And, uh, you know, the Reds, they were just above 500 with Trevor Bauer, and they're 10 games above 500 without him this year. So uh, who needs Trevor Bauer? Exactly. Who needs him? Anyway, here's the hope in the Reds stay hot for the next week because they got one game against Cleveland tomorrow, but then they got three against Atlanta and three against Philly. So. Uh, I do not share this for one more week. I do not share those sentiments with you, man. Dom's Dom's <laughs> got a couple of points to be Phillies fans. That's great. And okay, cool. <laughs> Please. Points. I I need it. I, I, <laughs> I, I need this. Uh, but Phillies fans, they've also been deprived of postseason baseball in front of fans for, for a long time too. For they've the, they've the longest, uh, national playoff drought. Yeah. 10 years. Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. All of that time, the Sixers were absolutely trash. The Phillies were equally as trash. No, that's not true. Because they were oh, they were consistently no. like slightly below average. They were never like like they had their years where they were bad. Don't get me wrong, the, but like the, they also had years where they were winning like forty five percent of their games. The prime. We have another really interesting Philly sports discussion we need to get to in the football segment. By the way, oh god, okay. Me of the that prime later. like three year window where the 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 process was like ten seventy two level. The Phillies sucked, was the, yes. where was the prime Phillies like win sixty five like seventy games? Yeah, no, they weren't good, and they have the longest playoff drought in the National League right now after the Marlins and the Padres made the playoffs last year. Yes. They. They've struggled for a long time. They want it, but uh, I would like for the, uh, I would greatly appreciate if the Reds could could let me breathe and let me focus on the other teams that are in front of the Padres instead of behind them. But they just keep winning. The Dodgers, the Giants, and the Reds keep on winning. The Padres took two out of three games this weekend, and they lost ground on every single one of these teams. Like, it's ridiculous. That's what you get for losing to the Diamondbacks. Yeah, that was a brutal loss. Oh, my gosh. Potters were up five nothing at the end of the second inning against the Diamondbacks. Were you at and that I, one? I was not. I I've wow. only been to one Friday game this year, and uh, Fernando, Fernando got hurt. So uh, oh, yeah, that's tough. L- luckily, there's Friday not. Now I will be at the game next Friday in Arizona, but uh, there you go. Oh, I, I hope we'll be playing. So I think yeah, I think we should close out. We should, let's talk about the NL at West. I want to talk. I want to start with. Can you, because obviously I keep jokingly chanting out NL MVP Bryce Harper, but the only way that's going to happen is if Fernando doesn't really come back. Where is Fernando? Like from a... Is that really the only way it's not going to happen? I mean, like, who who else is up there? No one. There's I mean, like, there's not... Bastianos and Soto are right there with him, but Harper's trending in the right direction. 
Freddie's been good. But I mean, Freddy you look at hurt. it. Freddie just got went down the respiratory. Josh, there's one player this year, 300, 400, 500 batting average, OBP, and slugging percentage, and it's Bryce Harper. Really? In yeah. the NL or in all of baseball? Oh, baseball. Baseball. Wow. Vladdy doesn't walk, which is fine because he just flat out rakes. Tanks. But yeah, it's fine. As long as you hit tanks. Like if you, you could be like Baez and not walk, but uh, don't hit tanks. This is yeah, undeniably different. You could, you could, this is undeniably Bryce Harper's second best season in the major leagues. 100%. And he had one of the best MVP years we've ever seen. It's funny because the two guys that were signed to $300 million contracts that year are having oh, yeah. really good. Machado's. Yeah, they've been well worth the money. Machado's hitting crazy too. This He's up near 280 hitting tanks too. Yeah, Machado. He's right up near 900 OPS. He yeah. hit a ball that went up on the third level of the Western Mail Supply Company yesterday. It was crushed. Uh, but I love Manny Machado, by the way. I if I if I'm gonna get a Padres jersey just to get one from like you know, Gate, I I will get a Machado jersey. And I'm not. You told me you were gonna get a Tommy Pham jersey. Is what you told me. Max when, Muncy when did, is currently third on NL MVP odds. Yeah, Max Muncy is having a really good year. Dom, you know I was being sarcastic, right? I just said, fist, you, hate, you, you hate Tommy Fam. But that's like when I said I was going to get eat. Yeah, yeah. I I know. I know you're okay. being sarcastic. <laughs> it's still I'm being funny. serious when I say like I'll buy a cheap. Machado jersey. I like that. Yeah. Okay. No, Look, I have my Machado jersey. I know jersey Shohei Otani is having a great, great year. Don't get me wrong. He's obviously incredible. But the fact that Vladimir Guerrero is plus 600 to win the MVP when he is three home runs and 13 average points away from the Triple Crown, that's absurd. It's, 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 well, it's, it's the way narrative You can't play. not give him the MVP if he wins the Triple Crown. Sure you can you just can't. I, I could see the If you win the Triple Crown, you automatically get MVP. I don't think so. Yes. Uh, there's no question. No, I. It, what Shohei's done has never been done before. What he's doing. <clears throat> I, I don't care. If you win the Triple Crown, you get MVP. Now, listen, Vladdy's going to have to pass him for home runs. Is what's going have to have to happen for that? Yeah. I believe he's only two behind him now at this point. Three. That's what Josh. Did he hit one today? Uh, Vladdy hit one today. He's 35. Then maybe it's okay. Then it's two. Okay. Um, you know, I, I just think that when you take into account that Shohei Otani has been one of the best hitters in the American league and also one of the best pitchers, I think that trumps what Vladdy's done and the odds makers agree. Yeah. All right. Well, let's make sure if we you start. win the triple crown, you're the MVP. It's really I, that simple. I don't think a lot of people agree with you at that. I don't. I think that's absurd. Well, I, I don't. I don't because of what Shohei Otani's doing. Yeah, I think. I think you, you you have to realize that this is like the only thing that could trump a triple crown is doing something in baseball that oh, uh, obviously. But I think it still doesn't matter if you win the triple crown. You win. I don't know what's Shohei Otani's ERA right now. It's like three one, three one, and you're leading the league in home runs. Like how? Like yeah, no. I am. Well, well, if he's not leading the league in home runs. Then, then the conversation changes. Then the conversation it changes. definitely does. That's what I'm saying. Plus 600 for that. I, yeah, I there's still that. two months left of the year. And I'd say there's definitely a lot more ways of Shohei Otani, considering like what he does to fall off from where he is than for Vlad to fall off. That's true. Yes. Uh, if I think Vlad Guerrero to win MVP at plus 600 is a fantastic bet right now. The only I would agree. I'm not taking it. We do not endorse gambling on the Split the Scene podcast. Do not. Don't gamble. 
<laughs> Anyways, let's circle back to the NL West because that's somehow where we started this conversation. Can, can I get an answer on where Tatis is? <laughs> yeah. So Tatis, he injured himself nine days ago. Uh, he got placed on the 10-day injured list. And he's been taking fly balls. He's been taking uh, batting practice of the Padres. He's going to return uh, at some point this week, whether it's right as he uh, becomes eligible on either Monday or Tuesday. But he's going to be back in a Padres uniform back playing games. And uh, I believe if he comes back healthy, that he's as long as he continues to perform at levels that he's been playing at for another month, a uh, month and a half, he's the MVP. Muncie, Harper, Soto, Trey Turner. A lot of those guys are going to make pushes for it, though. I want to say one thing before we move off of the Tati subject. Can we talk about the outfield thing? Because yeah, sure. He's a long, he's a long-term outfielder for the San Diego Padres. I don't think it's that crazy. Wait, hold on. What? I, I kind of think it is. Wait, hold on. What? Like, because do you think he's too error prone in the infield? So you might at some point stick him in the outfield if you get a better infielder. Yeah. Well, oh. it's not if it's CJ oh. Abrams. Oh. And it's also to keep him healthier because. There's less wear and tear on your body playing out in the outfield because the ball comes to you a lot less. But but do they really? I just don't love doing that mid season. If they want to do it in the off season, I, yeah, I'm not play. sure they're gonna do it this season. I, I don't love the idea of doing that in the middle of the year. If you want him to work all off season on playing right field, sure, that's one thing. But I think doing that in the middle of September or August, excuse me, as you're gearing up for a playoff push. I think that's moronic. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not there. I'm not there to watch him at those practices during batting practice, but I mean, no one's going to deny the fact that he's a freak athlete with a plus plus arm and he'd be really good on center field or right field, but it like figure it out. Yeah. But like, like you're mentioning Josh or what you're hinting at is that he needs time to get acclimated out there before he can just jump in and see major league pop-ups and fly balls. And I think you're hundred percent right on that. But uh, I think that long-term, I don't think he's a shortstop. I think that he could play shortstop for the Padres next year, but at some point CJ Abrams is going to be here. And a lot of scouts and executives think that he's a better defensive shortstop than Fernando Tatis Jr. And in two out of the three seasons, Tatis has been way subpar uh, defensively shortstop. And I think this year can a lot be equated to errors, but I think next year he'll get a chance to prove whether or not he can play short. And if not, they're going to move him to the outfield. Well, the funny thing is left shoulder. It's, it's, it's his, a left shoulder. Yeah. It's his catching shoulder. Uh, but you do a lot of throwing with the shoulders and the lower body and like opening yeah. up and whatnot. Yeah. The funny Even thing, if you have a shoulder injury on your not throwing shoulder, it's still going to somewhat affect how you throw. Yeah. The funniest thing is the Padres already have a better defensive shortstop on the roster. They have two. Yeah. Uh, wait, who's the other one? Jake Cronenworth. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I meant like. You see the, did you see the play yes, that he made today? Yes, I that saw was, I didn't see that play. So you got to say it's on. It's on my Twitter. Just it's, go. It, it was nuts. Dom, I more so meant like one that like they could plug now and not have a hole in a different position. You know what I mean? Like, oh, 100%. I think Ha-Sung, I think Ha-Sung Kim should be playing a lot more. Uh, than he is right now. And I mean, Fernando, he's not, it's, he's like, he's clutch. He's weirdly clutch. I, oh, 100%. I don't understand it. He, he, he you and hit. I, we were, you and I, we were at that game against the Cincinnati Reds where he hit the go ahead wow. run of the eighth. Yeah. That uh, would be my, wow. Bad. We don't endorse gambling. The throw is better than the stop. 
They're both really, really good. I throw was a laser. That reminded me of that play that JP Crawford made in 2019. I, get out of my head, Dominic Stern. I was about to say, that's literally what I was saying. I was like, that's literally a JP Crawford play. That's right. Cool. Shout out. Ben. But uh, I just think that when you look at it, Ha Sung Kim has been really good at shortstop defensively, and he's been a slightly below average hitter. Like, no one's going to argue against that. But a guy like Madison Bumgarner, he's a lefty that doesn't throw the baseball hard. Those are the type of pitchers that Hassan Kim thrives against. And I did not understand why he wasn't starting today's game. And instead they started Eric Hosmer, who struck out twice and looked like a complete utter fool at the plate, which is what he's looked like for the vast majority of the season, unfortunately. But um, I think Kim should be playing more. I think he should be playing shortstop. He can play Frazier at second and Kernanworth at first, which is crazy because Kernanworth's probably going to win the gold glove at second base this year and could easily be a, uh, a very good shortstop, but uh, the Potters have a ton of options, but Tatis out, but he's going to be coming back soon. All right. Well, that's the only answer I wanted to hear. I mean, you already highlighted the divisions at this point. The Giants are still still 30, 30 games above 500 at this point and four and a half of the Dodgers. I still think the Dodgers win the division. Well, they're also hot right now, too. They're just, they're not playing each other. They're both just winning. <laughs> Just winning outside of each other. And then the Padres are seven and a half back. Uh, and I feel so bad. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really, it's a sucky situation, but they have some games against who, who they're playing the Diamondbacks right now. And then they'll go on to play. I know they play the Phillies like not next week, but two weeks from now. That's the only thing. Yeah, I know. It's next weekend. They play the Phillies. At, yeah, at the Dodgers are favorite Park. to win the division. That's not surprising. Minus one forty-five. Well, because Josh, if you're going to bet on who you think is going to win the division, who are, who are you going to bet on? Dodgers, of course. That's why they're the favorites. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, they're the four Pod- games back. I mean, I think right. that's kind of crazy. The Padres they host the Marlins this weekend for three games, which is a great opportunity to pick up some wins because Adam Duvall and Starling Marte were the Marlins who killed the Padres uh, a couple weeks ago. Now that those two players are on the Marlins now. Uh, so hopefully they can take advantage of that. And they travel to Arizona and then they travel to Colorado. And then they have an off day before they face the Phillies and the Dodgers at home. Yes. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, so we'll see though. But the NLS is the same race. We'll keep checking in on it. Uh, with that NLS talk, we will wrap up baseball, which has been fun to talk about for me. Uh, but we'll move to football where we have officially started preseason football, uh, the Hall of Fame game. Uh, did any of you guys watch it? I did not. I watched parts of it at Buffalo Wild Wings. There you That's go. Good answer. Uh, I watched I, the first I, like 15 minutes. I personally love that the Hall of Fame game reinforced the favorite trope of mine in NFL football history. The Cowboys overhyped and lose. Even if it's a preseason game, we take those. <laughs> So we take those. Uh, so we're, yeah, thank you. We're officially in preseason football and we are still doing division predictions, like previews, whatever we're calling this. And we're now on to the South. We're heading down South. So we will talk. Never do that accent again. I, I do that accent all the time, actually. That's the funniest part. It's awful. That's not awful. It's so bad. I have so many relatives down in the South, Josh. It's fine. Uh, my mom grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. Josh. I know, and it's a terrible accent. <laughs> it's it's fine. That, that's not what we're talking about now, though. We'll start. We usually start. We'll start with the AFC. 
South, which is like one of the most biggest talking point divisions now at this point, uh, which is crazy to think about with everything going on. I think we should actually touch on the Colts just in general before we. Yeah, I, that's what I mentioned. I want your opinion on the Colts. Obviously, they're missing Carson Wentz now. And Quentin Nelson. He's going to be out for five to 12 weeks. Yes, and Quentin Nelson too. With the say. same injury. But, with the same exact uh-huh, injury. Yeah. Craziness. But he's going to be out for five to 12 weeks. They need someone to keep the head above water at the quarterback position. I don't expect Jacob Eason to do it. The logical guy to go out and get to me is Nick Foles. I would love it. That would be so and funny. To I, I want to know what you think about the potential reuniting of Carson Wentz and Nick Foles in a quarterback room and what that does to Carson. Uh, here, let me let me put this into words. Rolling on the ground, crying, laughing. That's that's my like, exact reaction. It's so it, funny. It's to me. unbelievable because Carson is there because he needs this fresh start. <laughs> and here he is at this fresh start, injured again. And the best option to start for them week one is Nick Foles. And you're gonna you're gonna put Nick Foles behind, you know, with Quinn Nelson out, it's a hit, but one of the best offensive lines in the game still. Yeah, uh, a solid running successful. back by, and a solid running back by committee, some solid wideouts, a solid tight end, and a very good defense behind him. And he's probably not gonna stink. And then they, they have, the exact same debate comes. Where you ask, do you sit Nick Foles or Carson Wentz in 2021? (laughs) But but here's the crazy thing. I never thought about that. (laughs) The first first five games that they have is by far the hardest first five games in the NFL. I'm blanking on who the five teams are right now. Well, I know they start the season. Rams week two. It is a tough, tough schedule. If you try Jacob Eason out for those five games, you're You're going to go 0-5. One and four. No, you're going to go on five and you're not going to win the division because you, you're not going to be able to recover from going on five. Like that's just not going to happen. But if you put Nick Foles in there, you might be able to win two of those games. And that could be the difference between winning the division and maybe fighting for a wild card. Imagine if he, if he goes but, positive in the five, that five game stretch, that's, that's the funny part to me. Imagine what does that do to Carson Wentz in his new fresh start? Like, it taints it. <laughs> it's it, it is unbelievable that this is where they're sitting, and it makes perfect sense to get Foles because he knows the system too. That's the thing, it's and he's accessible right. as the third string quarterback right now in Chicago. Like it is so clearly the right option for them, except for the fact that it's terrible for their starting quarterback set space. This would almost be the most perfect, hilarious scenario for me if I didn't need Carson Wentz to play 70% of the snaps and then make the playoffs. Yes, and that's not going to happen at this point. I mean... It still could, but it could, I, I wouldn't probably, count on it. It probably won't. Yeah, it won't. Um, Which is fine. We still have two first-round picks. Like, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, you, you get a second-round pick, too. Like, whatever. Yeah, it's but, whatever. But it's... Yeah, it's so funny. It's so funny to me. <laughs> It's, it's like it's like a, a deep sigh of relief that turns into a laugh because you realize not only do I never have to deal with this again, but it's funny that I have to get a watch so what else do with it. Uh, so that's wild. yeah, it's wild. It's crazy. It, it is truly one of the most fascinating quarterback situations I've seen in a very long time, and I'm very curious to see how they. Uh, I'm very curious to watch their first preseason game because I want to see how Eason looks. If he really looks bad, they're going to have to go out and get someone. And Foles is the most logical option. Yeah. And the funniest thing is one of the equally craziest and bizarre quarterback situations 
ever is going on with one of their division rivals because I don't know why, but Deshaun Watson, there hasn't been a decision on Deshaun Watson, which makes no sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. which is crazy that there's no, if like, I don't know how I, I it's the craziest thing to me that we're going to make it to week one, probably. And we're not going to know the punishment on Deshaun Watson. It's crazy, uh, man. It's, crazy. it's just nuts. Before, before we get into this division preview though, I do need to say one thing, quick little NFL headline. Some guy, I don't know if you've heard of him by the name of Josh Allen signed a pretty hefty extension, six years, Smart. $258 million. $150 million guaranteed, obviously incredible him, incredible for the organization, incredible Smart. for the city of Buffalo. Smart uh, I honestly wanted it to be longer, but I'll take it. So it's smart, though. a great contract. By the time the deal is towards the end, he will not be in the top five in terms of quarterbacks paid. Wouldn't be surprised if he's not in the top 10, to be honest with you. Save it's that. a great deal. Long term, I really think it's going to help this team out. I think every single party in this deal won and won big. So, yeah. very happy to see this get done. It was something that I wasn't really worried about getting done. I wanted it to get done this offseason, and I was a little bit worried it wouldn't get done this offseason, but it did. And here we are, and thank God that we finally have a franchise quarterback. Yeah, and Dom, do you want to talk about the other reason why this was this was so smart for from a quarterback market standpoint? Because there's like outside the Bills, like this was a really smart move, and I think you know yeah, why. I, mean, I yeah. think that you're trying to hint at that Lamar and Baker Mayfield are also going to be in contract extension soon, and Josh Allen's camp no longer has the uh, the leverage of saying, well. He got that much money, and you guys know I'm better than they are. So I should be getting so-and-so amount more per year, and I want to be here longer than those guys. So, yeah, I, I, I think that it's a good deal, but banking off of him on one year for six more years, it could be risky, but I think Josh Allen, he, uh, he has the footing you know underneath him that, that I think it's going to be worth it. I understand where you're coming from, and that's reasonable to say. But this is a kid who really has gotten better every single year since he right. was in high school. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Obviously, there's only so far up he can go. But the ceiling is being one of the greatest quarterbacks who ever lived. Like, he can get to that good if he keeps continuing to go up at this trajectory. I don't think he'll get to that that good, but I expect him okay, to win okay. a championship <laughs> in Buffalo. The one thing I do want to mention while we're on the Lamar and Baker thing, though, I think it's really great that the Bills got this done because it really will make it interesting on those two contracts. I think for the Baker situation, it's clear that he's not going to get 40 million. He could get 40 million. He's not going to pass Josh Allen. And I think that's very, very clear. I don't know if he'll want to. So that could lead to some arguments between the Browns organization and Baker's camp. But I think that Baker wants to be in Cleveland and they'll figure something out for a little bit cheaper, probably on the high 30s side. <clears throat> Lamar, I think, is the interesting one because he could pull the MVP card and say, you know what, I'm better than this guy, even though he isn't and want more money than $43 million. Even though he isn't. <laughs> he isn't. And I think that's very, very clear. Well, we know how and, you feel about both of these quarterbacks. So yes, no, I, but I think you'll agree with me that Josh Allen is better than Lamar Jackson. He was last year. He was last year. I would have to see a couple more years because you know you'd give your you'd give the MVP year to Lamar and then you'd give last year to Josh. I I would maybe like this year's the deciding one. I don't know. It's it's it's. Uh, I mean, the next ten years are the deciding ones. But yeah, but I understand Um, both sides of of it. Exactly, but that's that's where the 
negotiations between yes. the Ravens and Lamar's camp is going to be so interesting. If I'm the Ravens, I would not pay this guy more than the $43 million a year. I don't think they're going to get something done before the next offseason anyway. So it's going to be based off of how he plays this coming year. Uh, I think it'd be a really, really interesting situation to monitor. And so will the Baker situation because he could want a lot of money as well. And I think it's going to be very interesting to monitor. Dom, how much did you guys have to pay Jared Goff after the Wentz contract came out? Way too much. Four years, 160. What? 40, 40 million AV? Oh, geez. It was not 160 for Goff. Or maybe it was maybe it was 140. Oh, that's less. It was definitely not 160. <laughs> that's less. Yeah, I think I think I think my first number was wrong. But yeah, Dak got four one sixty. I paid the price for it. That's not Josh. That's Josh set the record for guaranteed <clears throat> money in his contract. So congratulations to him getting the 150 mil. Well, but he only set that because the Mahomes contract is structured so that they can uh, adjust Back the numbers up. every year. Yeah. And just so they can adjust yeah. the numbers every year to stay under the cap. Not not discrediting yes. Allen there, but if the Mahomes contract wasn't like so smart, then that wouldn't be possible. It's crazy though, because Wentz was 32 AV when he signed that contract and they gave Goff three more, three million more, less years, but because Goff was a four and I think Wentz is a five. So, but it's interesting. I, I, I always have, I'm always am fascinated by the, yeah, I know that hurts. I, I, I didn't want to drag on Dom because both of us are just sad about oh, No, I'm laughing at this tweet that Dom just said, the picture of John Fox. Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> But yeah, That's I mean, quarter, quarterback paying situations, they come in blocks. And it's always so interesting for me to watch, for personally to watch. So yeah, he, there, there's that. Uh, we should, let's get into the preview though. We'll start with the AFC South. Like we've been talking about it. We'll start with best quarterback in the division. Now, gentlemen, you do have to factor in the amount of games played in, into this. So no, the answer is Deshaun Watson. Let's not overcomplicate. It's not close. Dude, he could not Sean Watson. He could not play a snap. It That's fine. Matter. Deshaun Watson is currently in the AFC South, which makes him the best quarterback in the AFC South. The way we, the way I've been doing this is saying like I say who I think will be the best by the end of the year, like for the that year pocket year. So okay, I, in in twenty twenty one, he might not be the best quarterback if he misses eight games, but he is the best quarterback in the division. And it's not even remotely close. But that's how we've been doing these previews. Is we're previewing the season. I mean, you can say whatever you want, but I mean, like the way the way the way the season looked like it's going to go, look like it's going. It's Ryan Tannehill <laughs> by the end of the I mean, year. If you're doing it based on who's going to have the best 2021, and we're expecting Deshaun to get a good suspension, then yeah, you're right. But Deshaun Watson's the best quarterback in the division. I mean, I don't disagree with that, and you guys know that. Yeah. But I'm for the. Sake of how I guess I'm doing this, I have to say Ryan Tannehill now that Wentz is uh sidelines. So Ryan Tannehill would have been Tannehill anyway, but yes. I would have said once. I would have said once. That team that offense is too good. It would carry him. Well, then again, I ask a question. I'm gonna ask another question though. Let's say uh, Deshaun gets moved at this time next year. Are we gonna be saying Trevor Lawrence? I I can't tell you because he hasn't played a snap of NFL football, so I don't know. Yes. Okay. Well, there's Dom uh, breaking my eardrum and saying that. Uh, <laughs> there. Uh, so he says yes. I need to watch him play because I don't care how high touted you are. NFL is a different level. So I will wait and watch him play. Yeah. But we could be very easily, and I think Deshaun will be moved. 
I agree. So, and I still think it's Carolina. Some people, a lot of people think it's Philly and I don't want it at least not this year. I don't know why you wouldn't want Deshaun Watson. Well, because I don't want to trade the for situation him and, and surrounding him, him and for the NFL. <laughs> He's not going to get banned from the NFL. Okay. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't, I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. Have you guys, have you guys read the details and heard the stories? I've heard stories. I, I've heard some, I don't obviously haven't gotten into all of it, but I know there's a lot of crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. He's in trouble. Yeah, he's in trouble. Um, yeah. So we'll move on quarterback. We'll go to a running back. It's Derrick Henry. Yes. Yes. Easily. There we go. Wide receiver. AJ Brown. It's Julio Jones. I, I still I think it's Julio. It's I not. He's there now. That's okay. It's Julio Jones. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I still think it's Julio. It's Julio. I, I want to be take the torch from him soon. I don't yes. know how soon it's going to be. It's whenever Julio wants to give him the torch. Yeah. But it's Julio. That's yeah, Julio. Um, we'll move on to defense. It is the Colts. The Colts. 100%. We move on to coach. I think I this is an interesting here. one. If you say Urban Meyer, I punch you in the no. face. Okay. No. Cool. Good. It's, it's, <laughs> I think it's Frank Reich. I completely agree with you. I have Vrabel. Which is I fair. I don't agree. No, that's fair. I think it's fair. I don't agree. That's fine. I, I, I'm obviously a little biased on this one, but it's Frank Reich. I think and I, I might be a very, opposite very right offensive mind. And I think that he is putting his organization in the right situation. And, and I'm just more impressed with the way that Reich is built off the Colts compared to what Vrabel is built up. At the end of the day, these are young coaches. And when you look at a guy who's come in for two or three years, it's what they're able to build and how that's going to progress long-term more than the short-term results. Cause these are both guys who could easily be there for the next decade. And I'm thinking of what they've built to last for the next decade, not in what I've seen them do already. I think Dom just likes cutting off certain appendages, just like Mike Vrabel. So he had to pick Mike Vrabel. <laughs> Dom comment. I don't know how to comment to that <laughs> remark. <laughs> Uh, I know what you're referencing to. Yeah. The, uh, I meant for you to just talk about generally why you say Vrabel, not that part. That was my terrible segue. So, uh, Mike Vrabel has coached in an AFC championship game. And to me, it was really close. Could have gone both ways, Reich or Vrabel. Uh, I've also seen Frank Reich draw third and goal fade routes to Eddie Royal and make me want to just lose my crap. Uh, and you know, Eddie Josh, Royal. Shout out the the Charger great Eddie Royal. Oh. He was he was a fine Charger, but he was not meant to have third and goal fade routes drawn out no. to him. And it's uh, like not that's quite. Like, oh my god! Uh, that's <laughs> like telling a tight end to only run nines, man. That's <laughs> Frank Reich. Frank Reich's time with the Chargers was pretty painful, uh, and I still hold on to that just just a little bit. He's obviously improved since he's left the chargers, of course, winning a super bowl with the Eagles and then uh, going to much greater heights with Indianapolis, but uh, Vrabel coached in an AFC championship. Game. How is that great? How, how is that greater heights? He, he won a super bowl. How is he at greater heights with the Indianapolis Colts? No, then the chargers, then the chargers, uh, then his time with the chargers as the OC. I will say I'm not mad anymore. Did Mike Vrabel lead the greatest comeback in NFL history? No, Nick Foles did. No, he didn't. Frank Reich did. No, I mean, Doug Peterson still called plays. I think 
Tom Brady led the greatest comeback in NFL yeah, also, history. Yeah, Frank Reich led the greatest comeback in NFL history. Josh, I will. I have the power to kick you out from the Zoom meeting and not wait, let you back in. Wait, okay, now I'm confused. Frank Reich led the greatest comeback in NFL history. What, what comeback is he talking about? Because I'm, I'm not 1992, three, the Oilers game where they came back from down 35 3. Oh, Dude, wow. the Patriots are down 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl, Josh. The Super Bowl. Okay, it was thirty-five to three in a playoff game. Still the playoffs, and it's an extra. It's an extra possession. I I don't know how to argue. I I, wasn't, I really I, I wasn't alive. I really <laughs> don't want to argue this. <laughs> I, I was really, alive. I can't argue this. I don't. I wasn't alive. And this but also has nothing to do with is the comeback. It is the greatest comeback in NFL history. All right. Okay. Uh, Anyways, Mike Ray. I'll die on that hill. I don't care. Sure. I mean, that's fine. He, it was a greater. It was my points, a better comeback. I mean, I technically cannot argue that. I mean, that's a fact. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, anyway, moving on. Underrated. Underrated. I, I went with Michael Pittman Jr. here. I, I mean, actually did too. Really? I, mean, I was expecting that, honestly. But God, stop. <laughs> I, I really liked him out of college. I think he had a solid year last year, and I think he's going to get more opportunities this year. And I Their offense got tremendously better once he came back from his injury. You know, I, I really think that he is set up to succeed this year. You guys picked the like flat the flat. You guys pick underrated players in the most flashy positions that just never have people underrated in. So I'm just gonna keep talking about positions that people who just generally watch football don't care about. Uh, Darius Leonard is like a top three linebacker in the league. Yeah, but I think people know that he's a top three linebacker in the league. I don't think so though. He's paid like one as of today. Deserves to be paid like one. Okay. Oh, he got paid today. Yeah. That's awkward. I was actually I, thinking of saying Darius Leonard too, but I'm like, no, I, people know well, I, oh, he did. I wrote this yesterday. Um, that's tough. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll let that's you awkward. still say Darius Leonard. Though. Well, he's not very underrated if he just he's, got five year, $999 million contract, but whoops. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he's so good. He's very good. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, oh, how yeah, about, does anyone know where Darius Leonard went to college? Oh gosh, I wonder. It was like, care. It was somewhere in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. It's not Coastal Carolina. No, it's not. I think it's like, is it Charleston College? You're overthinking it. South Carolina State. Yes. Good job. I'm switching. I'm switching my pick. It's uh, DeForest Buckner. Okay, okay. he's That's really solid. good and underrated. Yeah, DeForest he's, he's also yeah. he also signed a four year extension, but I think he's really good. So, yeah, for some reason, Pro Football Focus is ranking this a nineteenth best D line in the league when they have an All Pro DeForest Buckner on their team. So I'm just gonna that's say that's dumb. underrated. Yeah, that's dumb. So there we go. Ha, audible. Mo- moving on. Who do we got winning this division? I think this is the hardest one to call right now, and it's obviously hard to call because <sighs> of the Wentz situation. As of right now, I'm gonna give it to Tennessee. I have to. I'm still going to give it to the Colts. Uh, unless they, until they say someone other than Easton is headlining this team until Wentz comes back, I have to say Tennessee. Uh, I'm still on the hope that it's going to be closer to the five weeks than the 12 weeks. Yeah, because there's also that. You don't know, like, foot injuries are weird. So I don't. Yeah. Uh, I'm 
going to go optimistic here and go with the Colts. It's a very questionable one with this foot. If he misses the full 12 weeks, it's going to be the Titans. Uh, I'm going to take the Colts. Titans are obviously second. So I'll say Titans and I'll say, oh, this is tough. I say they go 11 and six. This is not going to be a crazy division. I think they go 11 and six and win it. Oh, I kind of want to say 10 and seven. I'm going to say both teams go 11 and six. Colts get the tie break. All right, so I will go Titans eleven and six. I will then go okay. Dom, well, I'm skipping Dom. Dom, who who do you have winning this division? Yeah, no, you guys didn't let me talk there. Um, I'm going to take the Colts still here at first place. I think they're just a much better team than Tennessee is. I think they're better than them at just about every single position except for quarterback and running back and, and wide, wide receiver. receiver. And the gap at running back and wide receiver is, I think, a lot shorter than a lot of people think it is. Um, obviously they have, it's better. It's better in Tennessee. I said they had the best wide receiver duo. I've said several times that I think Derrick Henry is the second best running back in the NFL. No one agrees with me on that. That's fine. I don't care. I have it's Dalvin cook. We've talked about this. We've talked, nobody agrees with you. And then I've been agreeing with you. Uh, Oh, that is true. I I forgot. I forgot that you have the best running back, but the Colts have the best running back depth in the league. I could, I'm breaking up with you, Dominic. Oh, no. The Colts Damn. have four guys at running back who I think they can put in there and feel comfortable with. And I think there's not a lot of other teams that can say that about there are no running back teams, room. To be honest. Yeah, it's almost like that's how you should build your running back room. That's exactly how you should do running Correct. back room. All right. And, so, and you should get one workhorse like they have, too, with Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Um, he'll be a workhorse for the next two years, and he's going to just plummet because he's been a that's running back. That's why you draft great running backs in the second round. A second or third. Uh, Miles Sanders, second rounder. Uh, Dom. He's really good. Dom. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Dom, did you give a record there? Uh, or I don't think you did. Yeah, I think, I think Indy goes 11 and six. I okay. think we're gonna, I think 11 and six is the mark to win this division. And I have Tennessee going 10 and seven. I think they have what's probably going to be the best offense in the national football league, but I think they're going to have a bottom 10. Potentially bottom five defense. Yeah. So I'm I'm just flipped of Dom. So I'm 10 and 7 with the Colts with Wentz coming back. I'll say Wentz comes back like seven weeks. I'll go middle of it. I won't be optimistic or pessimistic. Well, that's why I have to predict it to logically say the Colts aren't gonna fit. So he'll come back and they'll be, you know, like a decent ways under five hundred and they'll roar back and then barely not make it. And Tennessee will take it. So I'll have Colts 10 and 7. Josh, I'm assuming you're going to have Tennessee. You already said the 11 and 6 Tennessee tiebreaker. Okay. Both 11 and 6. So, Dom, who do you, so what record do you have the Jags at at third place? <laughs> yes, I do have the Jags in at third place. Thank you for speaking for me there. Well, we're all going to have Jags, right? I mean, uh, I mean, like if Houston, if the Sean Watson plays games, no. But he's not they still 17 games. I mean, guys, they he still guys, he hasn't practiced at training camp at all. No, he has. Correct. He has. Uh, he practiced as a scout team safety. Is that true? I mean, I saw he was yeah. at practice for a couple days, and then for the past week or so, he has not been at practice. No, he's been at practice and he's right. been like playing but, a scout team. He's but, not all right. taking first team quarterback. Anyways, yeah. besides the point, I do have Jacksonville in third. I think they go five and twelve. I think with a young, talented team, they'll pick up some wins against some other 
uh, not so good teams, but I think that their, uh, their inexperience is going to show against some other teams. So I'll jump in. I have Jacksonville going seven and 10 with a last place schedule and some freebie games against potentially uh, a, a Watson at less Houston uh, and they have a last place schedule. So I'm going to say they go seven and 10 because I really like James Robinson and I like their wideouts more than most people. So I'll go seven and 10. Josh. I'll say, I think Josh. Is See, this is the kind of team that reminds me of like the 2019 Browns to where I think they could just really figure it out in the second half of the year and get much, much, much better. But their schedule doesn't really permit that having to play the Colts twice, having to play the Niners, the Rams, Patriots who aren't great, but I mean, that's still a tough team. I'll give them six wins, but I think they could really look like a much, much, much better team in November, December than they do in September. That's usually how young teams go, I guess. I think they will improve the most from week one to week 18 out of every team in the NFL. All right. So then that leaves us with the question mark. And I guess stain of the NFL. And I'm not just talking about because Watson, I'm talking about their owner, but the Houston Texans. Um, Josh, what, what do you, what do you want to say with this? Cause you could go anywhere. <laughs> I mean, there's just so many question marks without an organization that still need to be answered. I'll give them four and 13. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with this organization. If Deshaun plays 17 games, they'll do much better. I don't expect them to do that. I don't know what's going to happen. They're in a really weird spot. Obviously I'm glad David Coley's finally getting his opportunity and I'm rooting for him, but I don't see it working out for him. All right. So I have a question. Who can you name on this Texans team outside of Laramie Tunsil right? And David Johnson right now. Don't they have Tyrod? Do they have Tyrod Tyrod Taylor? All right. right, Follow up. Can can any of us name a starting defender? Yes, I think I can. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think Bradley Roby is on the Texans. He might still be there. I don't know. <laughs> Let me pull up the depth this chart. Is, this is sad, um, honestly. It, it, it is. Just I mean, they're they that bad. Yeah, um, just bad there. Ross Blacklock is there. They drafted him last year. He's good. Zach Cunningham. Oh, they have Shaq Lawson now. They do have Bradley <laughs> Roby as well. Hey, they um, go down. Vernon Hargreaves. Oh, my God. All these um, rejects. <laughs> a lot They've of all been set to die. <laughs> They've all been set to Kevin die. Kevin Pierre-Lewis is on this team. Um... <laughs> Desmond King. Desmond King. Oh, no. Another King's- big reject. Um, yeah, that's all I got for you. Okay. Um, with that in mind. Uh, they have Christian Kirksey. Oh, I, I'm looking at the roster, by the way. This is me cheating. I'm yeah, not no. trying to yeah. act smart here. No, uh, let's, let's, Zach Cunningham's still good. Let's stop with this and get the keep moving through. <laughs> with that is in mind, Dom, what is your record prediction? Uh, they're four and thirteen with Deshaun Watson, and they are one and sixteen if he doesn't play. Wow! So okay, that bad. With Deshaun Watson, are you saying he starts all seventeen? Are you like giving like a halfway through? I have no idea. That's just me saying a number. Uh, we just lost Josh. Josh. Anyways, I I don't I don't know where uh, I don't know how many games Deshaun Watson is going to play. So if he plays seventeen games. I think they go four and 13. If he plays zero games, I think they go one and 16 and they'll 
find a way to scrape. I don't think they'd go four and 13 if you play 17 games. Well, they went four and 12 last year. Yeah, he played 17 games, 16 games. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, he did. I think he did. I would expect him to do a little bit better than that. They'll all give him five or six if he plays 17, but they're not. He played, he started 16 games last year and they went four and 12. So I don't think it was, I don't think I'm that far off. All right. Well, I'll jump in here and say that I don't think he'll play. And I think they'll go two and 15. I'm just going to say three and 14. I have no idea. It all depends on how much he plays. There's a big drop off between. Deshaun Watson and Terod Taylor. Toe rod. rod. Get stabbed in the lung rod. Toe rod. <laughs> All right. Anyways, we will move on from <laughs> because remember the Chargers trainer guys? Yeah, there? I remember. Yeah. And that ended up being a great thing for that franchise, which is really sad. Yep. Yep. The training staff actually did something good for them for once. Oh, uh-huh. that's crazy. All right. All right. NFC South, let's move. We'll go best quarterback in NFC South. It is Tom Brady. Yeah, I was going to make that joke. Hey, listen, you don't, you don't joke about Sam Darnold, all right? He demolished your team. I don't want to hear team it. Ghosts. <laughs> he didn't demolish our team. His team won that game, but... Still sees ghosts. <laughs> Not against the Rams, apparently. One and anyway, out. Tom Brady's the best quarterback in that division. Next. Yeah. We yeah. all agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Best running back, I think we'll all agree as well. Alvin Kamara. No, I'm kidding. Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> it is Christian McCaffrey. Kamara's right there, though. I, I would still say Kamara coming off of the ACL for McCaffrey. I'd be a little skeptical. Kamara's I don't think McCaffrey tore McCaffrey didn't tear his ACL. I thought he did. No. no. What was he out for then? Shoulder? This is not a good look for the, the team today with this. Uh, with well, I mean, I, there are two top five running backs or close to the top five. I, I'm yeah. going to stick with Kamara. He's, I think he's better. I really do. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think. No. I don't know. Um, I'm Kamara gonna go stays on the field more. Like that's just the reality of it. He's missed right. games, and he also. I will say this: in the stretches where Drew Brees didn't play, he was. Middling. No, no, he was bad. Yeah, Kamara, Kamara, Kamara only started, started 10 games last year and he only ran for 900 yards. Yeah, he, he, like, I, I think he's a great player, but Drew Brees being a check down old man machine has made his career so much bigger of than life than you think. 100%. He was way worse with Taysom Hill starting, like, way worse. Uh, I think Jameis will be able to use him as a nice security blanket, though. Ah uh, yes, oh, James loves well. James loves going to checkdowns instead of throwing in a double coverage. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna need to if he wants but, uh, to hold the starting job. That's what he's gonna need to do. Josh McCaffrey has two one thousand plus yard seasons. Kamara has guess how many? Zero. I guess checked, but McCaffrey I'll also has a one thousand yard receiving yard receiving season. season. The answer here is Christian McCaffrey. To McCaffrey. I'll give it to McCaffrey. They're close, though. They are close. They are. No, you're right. I think they're both two good running backs. All right. We'll and they both on. have injury problems. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, we'll move on to wide receiver. Dom, who you got here with this one? Who's the best wide receiver in the South? 
I think it's Mike Evans. I think there's several options you could go to. I think an underrated option you could go to is DJ Moore. I'd assume that one of you guys might talk about him uh, a little bit later. I think that Chris Godwin on this it's team too is good another guess. good option. It's a good option. Uh, you could oh, also I'm going to say Mike Thomas. You could also say Mike I'm not, Thomas. I'm not going to say Mike. I'm not. I'm sorry. I completely agree with you, Leo. No, sorry. 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 I'm going to say Mike Evans. Yeah, I'm going to say Mike Evans. There you go. I, I think obviously last year was tough on Mike Thomas, but I mean, two years ago, he put up 1700 yards. Like those are big, big numbers. You can't undervalue that. I think Mike Thomas is still the best receiver in this. I'm just very close, but I I would still give the nod to Mike. I'm just leaning on what I know I'm going to get from the Tampa Bay offense with Tom throwing Mike Evans. You're also thinking of this based in just 2021. And that's why I can understand picking Mike Evans. I think Mike Thomas is the better all around football player. I'm also pretty high on Mike Evans, but yes, he probably is. Yeah, he is. Um, it's cool though that the Tampa has the the one and three though. That's nice. Yeah, because Chris Godwin is also. Yeah. Uh, so we'll move on to defense, which is the box. Yep. Simple enough. There'll be a top yeah. five defense, probably top three. Right. I, I want to move on to this one. Who you guys put for coach? Who would I put for coach? I put Bruce Arians. I also put Bruce Arians. I, I don't agree. I went with Sean Payton. No. I think throughout his career, he's been a much better head coach. You can look at recently and say that Bruce Arians has done better in the past two or three years, which is true. But I think that Sean Payton is the better football coach. They're pretty close. They both have, you know, had periods where they've been really good and then had periods where they were coaching teams and those teams were really bad. It's close. Because remember how bad the Saints were at some points when Sean Payne was coaching? Remember how bad the Cardinals got towards the end of Bruce Arians? And just how year? pitiful their defenses were? The yeah. one season that Bruce Arians had a Hall of Fame quarterback, he won the Super Bowl. Sean Payton's had a Hall of Fame quarterback his entire career. They won one Super Bowl. If the refs make the correct uh, call, they have a chance I, I at a like second one. Add- that I don't think Sean Payton has had a better defense in his career than the defense that Bruce Arians had last year. The Bounty Gate defense was elite, and he I also cheated for that defense, defense too last year. Probably not. Bounty Gate was close. I don't think they were as good as Tampa. I'd say that Bounty Gate was close. I, I'm still going to lean Arians. I, I'm going to lean Arians. I think most of the time I'm with Dom. I think most of the time he was a quarterback away, and he nearly did it with Carson Palmer. <laughs> uh, and so, well, not nearly, but he, he got pretty close. So I'll lead, I'll lean Arians, but I I see why you're saying Sean Payne. I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Fame coach. So yeah, hundred percent. And I'm Arians. There are some really tough decisions in this, in this division. Some really tough there decisions. Were. This is probably the hardest one to do. I think that we've done so far. Yeah. I can't wait. I, I mean, obviously quarterback was easy, but the rest were, and defense was easy too, but the rest are arguable. Anyway, we'll move on to underrated player here. Dom alluded to mine earlier. I'm going with DJ Moore. This is a guy who does not get enough credit around the league. And I think once he really gets someone good thrown in the football, which I think he'll get in 2022 when they end up with Sean Watson, I think he's just going to go crazy. Not when Slippery Sam has a good year. He won't. Slippery Sam. Did you just call him Slippery Sam? I did. Mono boy? Mono boy. Mono <laughs> boy. Stripper lover, um, Dom. Who's your uh, who's your team gonna be? Uh, I still don't think this player gets a lot of credit. Player. After he won the Super Bowl, he was the leader of this defense that won the Super Bowl. 
I think Levante David is wildly underrated. Uh, yes. He has been so productive for the Buccaneers, and he was so good in 2019 when that defense was by far and away the most underrated defense in the league. I just don't think that he gets enough credit for what he does. Uh, he tackles in the run game. He can get some sacks when he rushes the passer. And he also is pretty good in pass coverage too. So I think Levante David is the most underrated player in the NFC South. There you go. Um, I'm going to talk about Ryan Ramschek because not a lot of people talk about him and the saints are probably not gonna be that great, but you actually love to own lineman and he's one of the best in the league. Uh, undoubtedly one of the saints best draft picks in the last like couple years. Uh, show love to your old lineman. He is a stud over there in new Orleans and will be trying to protect Taysom Hill as he scrambles like an idiot and then probably protecting Jameis Winston pretty well. So there you go. Talk about Ryan Ramschek and that we will move into our division breakdowns, which is going to be us first talking about what Tampa Bay's record is going to be at the top. Did Ramschek get paid yet? Yes. Yeah, he did. How much? I can't remember, but it was a lot. Five year, 96 million. Good for him. He deserves every penny of that. Yep. All right. So Josh, what record do you have Tampa Bay finishing with at the top of the division? I'll go 14 and three. I think they took some time to adjust last year with a new quarterback and obviously COVID offseason interrupting them some things. And we saw them really get into their stride at the back end of the year. That's why they obviously won the Super Bowl. And now that this core has the chemistry down, I think we're going to really see the peak of them and it's going to be a 14 and three year for them. 14 and three. All right, Dom. I think they go 13 and four. I think this is generally a weaker division. No team, I think, is going to challenge them for the division. I think they'll be able to go five and one, possibly even six and zero oh in this division. That's a question I was about to ask. They, they will be the first, going division. They will be the first team in the NFL to clinch their division. I can see it happening. I I, I was going to say, Don, I was same sentiment. They're going to go five and one or six and zero oh in their division. Hmm. Packers might be the first one. We'll see. I don't know. I think the Vikings are going to be pretty good. Yeah. So, Dom, 13 and four. You think they're going to win a bunch of their division? Anything else? I don't think I really have anything else to say. All right. All right. So, yeah, I'm also going to go with 14 and three with Josh. And I think they, I guess it's a, it's kind of a hot take because it's really hard to win all your division games, but I'm going to say they go six and all their division. Um, it's not as hot because if you look at the rest of the teams in their division, but I don't think they drop one in their division. And I think they can, with that, they can afford to lose three games to whatever top first place teams are going to be on the first place schedule. They'll probably split that. Only uh, lead to three I losses. I think they go six and zero in the division. I think there's a Jameis Winston event game in there somewhere. Okay, well that's why I said it was a bit of a hot take because it's really it's just generally hard to go six and zero in your division. Yeah. Uh, but I'll yeah. say it. I'll say they will. Bills uh, did it this past year. There you go. Uh, so that's my 14, three Dom. I'm going to go back to you. Second place team in this division. Cause this is where this gets, this gets interesting to be honest. I don't really think it does to be honest with you. All right. Well, let's hear what I, Dom thinks. I do think it's still new Orleans here in second place. And I think they go nine and eight. It's a talented roster, some question marks though. And I think that's why they finished just above 500. Took Josh. the words right out of my mouth. Okay. New Orleans nine and eight. All right. I'll have New Orleans at eight and nine, but top of the second place. Uh, too good of a coach, too good stars at certain positions on the D line, wide receiver, 
O line. The, the, they'll they'll hover around five hundred. I'm gonna say eight and nine because those holes Dom was talking about at a couple of key positions. Actually, no, I'll go nine and eight. Also did nine and eight. They'll finish over five hundred. A team with Lattimore, Cam Jordan, Michael Thomas, Ram, Ryan Ramschek, and a coach by Sean Payton doesn't go under five hundred. So I'll say nine and eight, which will lead us to our third and fourth place, which I do think is gonna be interesting. Josh, we'll start with you. I got the Panthers here. I'll give them six and 11, maybe seven and 10. I think that come next off season, people are going to talk about this team, the way that they talked about the Denver Broncos this off season in that they're a really, really good team. One of the best teams in the NFL, if the quarterback position did not exist. And that's why they're going to go out next off season and go get to Sean Watson and they'll be contending. And I think challenging Tampa Bay with Deshaun Watson in 2022. All right. So I also have Carolina at seven and 10. And I think it's because Sam Darnold has a decent to good year with this team. And I like Mike rule, Matt rule, Matt, Matt rule. Yeah. Matt rule. I think Sam, Dar- I'm, I've always been a little higher on Sam Darnold and I'm the one that always likes to say it's his situation outside the mono and the strippers. Um, uh, so I think he finally in a better situation has a better year. Not going to tell you he's going to do anything crazy, but he's going to have a year where you say he's a top half quarterback in the league, but probably like a good the enough year for Carolina to extend him. You think that, so I think it's good enough to put it right on the line of what the heck do we do? <laughs> I think it's, it's good enough to put it into a debate. If Watson's out there, you think they'd still go for it. Yes. Sam, Sammy's not going to do that good. All right, Dom. I do have Carolina here in at third place as well. I think they go right around seven and 10. It was a really young roster last year. They lost some really close games. And I think that with their experience that they build up this year, I think they can find a way to win a couple of those games that they were super close to winning. I mean, you got to remember they went into Arrowhead and put up such a good fight. And I like the Matting Darnold, but he also doesn't have the uh, the veteran. Like I'm not going to mess up as much in Teddy Bridgewater. So I think that uh, the rest of the younger guys need to step up uh, when Sam puts themselves in those weird spots. So uh, I think they go seven and ten, and I think they finish in third. All right, I'm going to go right back to you, Dom. Give us some breakdown on your thought with the Falcons season. I think they're another one of those teams that they have some talent, but at some of the other positions, they have very little talent. And I think they end up going six and 11. So they'll finish just behind the Panthers in our fourth place, but they're definitely good enough to pick up a decent amount of wins. Uh, but they finished in last. All right, Josh. I think they are another four and 13 team here. I think their defense is still God awful. And I think they tear it apart after this year. And Matt Ryan finally gets moved. I think Philly would be an interesting landing spot for him, Leo. I don't know how you feel about that with the first round picks and maybe Ew, dude. I agree with you that I don't think it would be great for Philly, but I think that's going to be a name that we hear a lot in the Matt Ryan sweepstakes next off season. Not exactly sure where he'll end up. Maybe Miami if they don't love Tua this year, but we'll see how that goes. I expect a tough year for Atlanta and they move on from Matt Ryan after this year. I'm right with Dom on this one because an offensive Matt Ryan, who, you know, for everything you say about him still pro- produces very well in regular seasons, in my opinion, from a thrower standpoint, uh, offense with him, 
Calvin Ridley, who will finish as probably a top seven wide receiver in the league, uh, top five even, possibly, with Julio not taking snaps from him. And then Kyle Pitts, who will, like Dom said earlier, be uh, become what do you say, Dom? The second best tight end or the third best tight end in the league? I said third. Yeah. Third. Josh, Josh held off on Waller and I said no. Yeah, I, I think I think you know, regardless, even if he finishes as the fourth best tight end or third best, that's gonna be really good. So I think that's enough to win them six games and shootouts. Their defense, defense is really gone bad. really bad, yeah. Could be the worst in the NFL. And it could be, it could be. Them and them and uh no it's Tennessee. Dallas. Yeah, that's honestly the one that came to mind. <laughs> All right. So that's that's episode 42 of the Split Scene Podcast. We'll go to final thoughts to wrap it up. Josh, take it away. Um, so I know you don't love when I do my golf final thoughts, so I won't give my shout out to Abraham Answer for winning his first your, career. It's your final thought, man. No, like you- I, I, I I don't need to shout out answer. I got another shout out I want to give here in my final thought. I'm going to go to my boy Kiefer Sykes hitting the game winner for Bayheim's Army in the Elam end of the TBT championship game. I don't know if you guys caught that, but it was one of the greatest shots I've seen. It was absolutely electric to see that entire tournament and just to see it end with that shot. Congratulations to Bayheim's Army. They deserve it. They had a great night after that win, and I know everyone's happy with what they were able to accomplish. And it, it was really fun to watch those guys. So congratulations to Bayheim's Army. Josh, I don't know. I don't know if you heard this, but a mere half a day after he hit that game-winning shot, he was signed to a contract by the Pacers. No, not a mere half a day after he hit the shot. Shams tweeted out that he made signed the contract with the Pacers two minutes later. Oh, I thought it was like half a day. Literally two minutes later. Oh wow. Okay. Then <laughs> never mind. That's crazy. But yeah, Kiefer Sykes, man. He's a I did not see it, Josh. It was awesome. I did see it, obviously, but and. Josh. and Josh, you know how the tournament works, right? Dom, they work on what's called the Elam ending. Yeah. So I played at 21 under four minutes. No, at the first dead ball under four minutes, they add eight to whoever's winning and that's the target score. So uh, Beheim's army was down 67, 66, had a wide open look at three, went halfway down and missed it. Next possession up for team 23. They missed a wide open, like 15 footer that I could have made. And then Sykes comes down and hits a crazy three. <laughs> I could have made that's a good shout out. I, I, I could have made like that, that shot. That's my shot too, but that's just going the shot. Okay. No, that, that's, that is my spot. I, no, yeah. I just didn't know that. I didn't know you had a, a spot. So, all right. I mean, I don't really, but that is, I would say my best spot. I'm still not very good from there, but I, I think I'd be able to hit it that wide open. Maybe not with a million dollars on the line, but I think I'd be able to hit it that wide open. Split the seam sponsored one-on-one basketball tournament in the future books. You heard it here first. <laughs> I'm very confident that you would be there. No, I'm saying like a tournament would be like, we would make a bunch of people come play. Like not just us. Oh, that's not fair, but that was the joke. Uh, but we'll, we'll move on after that final thought. Dom, what do you want to talk about? The Red Sox are about to fall off a cliff and they're going to miss the playoffs. This lineup isn't as good as a lot of people have made it out to be. They have some holes in this pitching staff is finally showing its true colors and they're making me feel like a lot less of an idiot. And I couldn't have been more proud. Red Sox fans. See ya. You're annoying. You've seen a lot of success and uh, I'm very happy that you will have to not be watching your team play in the postseason this year. So Josh, I want to say this really quick. 
I'm going to be cheering. I'm going to like the Buffalo Bills a lot more this year for the same reason of uh, the why I don't like the Red Sox. Just to put that out there for you. What, what is this reasoning? Well, we'll tell you. We'll tell you. <laughs> we'll tell you. Um, but first, we'll get to my final thought. Uh, my final thought is America blank. Yeah, uh, we topped the Olympics are finally over. And we topped China the gold medal by one gold medal and really? we blew everyone out of the water in silver bronze and total medley count. The U S takes home the quad crown for the Olympics. Katie Ledecky posted a nice picture from home with her four medals. I, I, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing. The Olympics are over. America is the best country. Okay, I'm kidding. Um, and America won all the medals. And now that kind of signifies the end of, end of summer for me even though it's not, but things are changing around here and you'll see a little bit of that change next episode with the split the scene podcast. Well, I guess you won't see it. You'll hear it because we'll see it. I'll see that the change I'm rambling. All right. (laughs) I will say to all my golf fans out there who enjoy my one minute golf final thought, we're in for a fun couple of weeks. This FedEx cup is going to be electric. There you go. You heard it first from golf insider, Josh golden. It's what the scene podcast golf insider that is going to wrap up. Episode 42, the Jackie Robinson episode of the Split the Scene podcast. We will see you guys next week to talk some more baseball and break down the best divisions in football, the NS, the Eastern divisions. Take care. Have a great rest of your week.